but really the idea is that turnkey allows you to easily you know get started investing or get started out of state um, or scale and easily scale and diversify your portfolio regardless of what else you're doing in real estate to you know invest in some of the best markets where a team's already established and we're going to walk you through the whole process uh, and make sure we're setting you up for success you're listening to ice cream with investors a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, Zach, welcome to the show. Matt, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. I feel like we need to be eating ice cream as we as we have this show, but uh, I mean, I didn't come prepared, but yeah, excited to be here. Hey, that's my goal is when I am go to these conferences, somebody will be like, you're Matt from Ice Cream with Investors. Can I buy you free ice cream? And that is how I'm going to get free ice cream for the rest of my life. There you go, my man. It's unique. I like it. Long-term play. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What is your favorite ice cream? I'm a pretty easy run-of-the-mill, simple guy. And uh, actually, well, I, I think cookie dough is probably the best. So, okay. you know, good old vanilla or cookie dough. The last three episodes I've recorded, the answer has been cookie dough. So I feel like uh, I'm missing the boat here. Man, you just uh, you just can't beat it. You know, you get like, uh, or you get some warm some warm cookies. You know, and you put it into vanilla, and make your own. I mean, we we got to stop. It's Friday afternoon, man. We got to stop. <laughs> All right. Well, tell our listeners what's the scoop. What do you do today? So my name is Zach Lee Master. I'm the founder and owner of Rent to Retirement. We are the, one of the nation's leading turnkey providers, and I know that we'll talk about what turnkey is for those people that are unaware. But our goal is to make investing accessible and easy to uh, investors, regardless of where you live, to allow you to have the ability to invest in the best locations throughout the U.S. where you don't have to go and build your own team and systems from the ground up. We've already done that for you. Um, that's on our, our business side, on the personal level. I know that we'll go through my story, but we do. When we talk about turnkey, a lot of this is investing throughout the country in like small multi-family or single-family houses. But we actually participate quite extensively into the commercial space on on retail, as as well as some higher-end short-term rentals. Just something that we do on on our end as well. So, love real estate. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, tell our listeners where did your real estate journey begin? So. I started a career path that had nothing to do with real estate. My wife and I are both optometrists by education. We met uh, in Portland, Oregon many, many years ago and um, got married after school. I was on a health profession scholarship with the Air Force that paid for part of school. And so I joined the Air Force for seven years after school, was stationed in North Dakota and Germany. I practiced as an optometrist there. Um, as a captain in the Air Force, that's where I started investing in real estate, really. I think like many people, I read the the purple Bible, uh, rich dad, poor dad, and you know got the bug, and so I used my VA loan, house hacked a duplex. I lived in half, ran out the other half. Um, you know, just kind of opened up the door to opportunity with real estate investing, and this is probably 15 years ago at this point. Uh, and then continue to invest after that. Uh, and I tell everyone one thing that we've done and made it a goal of ours to do, just personally, is every single year since that first duplex, we bought more and more real estate every single year. And that's allowed us to scale dramatically to the point where we were able to replace our our active income as both as working as doctors through real estate investing. And that didn't happen overnight, but it did happen over a handful of years with just kind of a strategic roadmap on staying consistent to invest. And specifically, it really, um, you know, it really took off and allowed us to expedite our goals when we started to invest out of state, not just looking in our local market, because that's what we felt comfortable with 
But I mean, it's it's obvious that there's a ton of markets out there that may have better opportunities, like they have better opportunities in our own backyard. And so once we learned how to invest out of state um, strategically, that really allowed us to expedite our goals to kind of fast forward where we're at today is is running a turnkey business, allowing investors to do the exact same thing that that we did. And I mean, really the foundation of rent to retirement is, is simply that. We had a lot of friends and family and colleagues that were like, hey, we see what the success you're having in real estate, what you're doing. We're not, you know, we don't know how to get started investing out of state. We don't know how to build this strategic portfolio, or maybe we don't want to, but we still want to invest in real estate. And, you know, can we invest with you? And that was the foundation of, of our business. So that's about as quick a version as I can give you. Well, you mentioned a couple of things there that I want to touch on, but to make sure that we have a level playing field here, what is turnkey investing? Yeah, turnkey is one of these buzzwords, right? And so it's it's really broadly defined. So what we mean, Matt, when we talk about turnkey, these are houses that are either newly rented or fully renovated or newly built, leased and professionally managed by the teams that we've established in these areas in a market that we've identified to be a successful investment market. Areas that have landlord-friendly legislation, low taxes, high rental rates relative to home prices so you can cash flow in the path of progress with population and economic growth. So really the idea is that turnkey allows you to easily, you know, get started investing or get started out of state um, or scale and easily scale and diversify your portfolio, regardless of what else you're doing in real estate to, you know, invest in some of the best markets where a team's already established. And we're going to walk you through the whole process uh, and make sure we're setting you up for success. Yeah. And you mentioned that, well, I like to say that real estate is a team sport, right? You've got property managers, contractors, legal, CPA, you got to find deals, you got to close deals, all that kind of stuff. And one thing that really interests me for high uh, paid professionals is this idea of walking into a team already set, because that's the most challenging part. I think about growing a single family portfolio is having that full team around you that's capable so how does an investor, they they go to your website, they see the inventory that you have there, they pick Birmingham, Alabama as an example. How do they integrate with your property managers, your financing, all of that? Yeah, it's a journey. You know, we walk everyone through through a journey. Our goal is to create long-term partnerships and relationships with, with our investors. We're not just, say, selling them a turnkey house um, and saying, good luck, uh, here's some resources. You know, we want to no one's here to buy one house to retire on tomorrow, right? You want to build a portfolio strategically diversified across multiple markets. And so we work consistently with our investors to, on their pace and their goals, the first thing you do is you set up a, a call with our investment strategist. And there's like, we don't charge investors anything for this. We make our money through the the renovation and building in these houses like builders or rehabbers do. Um, but, you know, we, the first thing we do is we get on a call with you and we go through your goals, your criteria, your timeline, your resources. We look at, you know, we want to add value and education. Um, and then we give you some homework steps. Typically, once we kind of have a roadmap, and that could take a handful of calls. It's okay if you're not ready, you know, yet. We just want to make sure we're working on your timeline. But usually the next step is getting you established with a lender. Um, you want to know what your buying criteria is, what your financing capabilities are. We have plenty of lender recommendations, whether you're trying to invest through it's like a self-directed IRA, uh, whether you're using... Um, you know, if you, if you can go conventional or you need non-conventional type like portfolio loans, have we have a plethora of different lending options available to you. So we put you in touch with the right lender, you get your financing pre-approval, and then we take a more granular, granular approach to look at, all right, what markets are the best markets to, for us to probably focus on based on, you know, risk threshold, price point, appreciation versus cash flow, um, things like this. And then it's just a matter of finding the right property, going through the normal transaction that you would with any real estate property once you get close to the closing. And then we kind of integrate you with the management side where we get you set up with your managerial account, your dedicated local point of contact for management. 
And it's just this journey, Matt, we walk everyone through at the appropriate time, but just to understand we're walking you through the entire process, it sounds like a lot, which it, it is. I mean, when you're going through buying a process, but you're not having to worry about, yeah, finding a deal, right? In the right area, educating yourself. You should educate yourself on the markets, but I mean, you don't need to build your own team from the ground up, which has taken us a long time, a lot of time and energy and money to do that. So that's what you get immediate access to. Yeah. And it took me a lot of headaches to build that team as well that I have here locally. Um, and I wouldn't say that it was successful on the first time around. So knowing somebody that has this type of scale that you all do to go and vet some of these parts of your team is extremely impactful. One of the things that turnkeys kind of get a bad rap on though, and I would love to hear your answer to this is really the renovation process. So do you all offer any kind of warranty or guarantee on the renovation process? Because I think if you read some of the blogs out there, it's hey, I invested in a turnkey, rehab was a little shoddy, and now I'm having to deal with that problem. Yeah, and and this is where I think that, uh, you know, turnkey is such, people want to automatically lump turnkey into this this category. It's like, turnkey really has nothing to do with it, right? If you're buying a house and someone else has either done work on it or not, you need to go through the, the if the responsibility falls in your lap as a buyer. Right. So don't don't blame someone else on stuff that's happened. Now, yes, there has been turnkey companies where they've done, you know, nefarious things where they they're trying to be under this turnkey classification where they require you to buy all cash and close in a week. Right. When they don't allow property inspections, all those things are red flags. Like I would not encourage anyone to buy a property if you can't go through the normal due diligence. But generally speaking, if you're going to buy a property out of state or locally, you have to go through and vet the, the property the, the same way, right? I think actually, if you're working with a good reputable turnkey company like ourselves, because I'm very proud to say that we have a fantastic reputation. If you just Google us, um, you will see you know hundreds and hundreds of excellent reviews. Not that we're perfect, but we stand behind our projects, right? Where whether there's a warranty in place or not, which I'll get to your question in a moment on, on that aspect. But I mean, the, my point is, is that you, you need to go through and do the normal due diligence. And whether someone did a job, because we may even miss some rehab stuff, right? And like, that's okay. That's why you have inspection reports, appraisals. You make sure you're working with title, get free, clear title. Um, but it's an, it's important. I think working with a reputable turnkey, like they are going to be a seller that's probably going to be easier to work with to say, oh, because the expectation coming in is that the house is renovated versus the seller just selling as is. So if something's missed on an inspection report, there's a high likelihood we're going to take care of it. Whereas a normal seller may say, you know, no, it's by as it's like in most cases, right? Unless it's especially in a, if it's a strong property. Uh, but typically our general rehab requirements is that we want to have at least 10 years of life expectancy in the, in the CapEx items, the major tickets, your roof, your HVAC, electrical plumbing, like all that needs to be updated to code, of course, and, and have at least 10 years of life and then remaining in it. Otherwise, we'll fully replace it. We want to see, um, you know, obviously the cosmetic things that are done appropriate to to the neighborhood class to attract the best renters. And we have a whole scope of work that we provide as well as what is, uh, you know, what's going to come back on in your inspection report. And you, you're going through the due diligence. Yes, we're going to provide that to you, but you get that's why you get third-party inspectors. And, and that really protects both of us in the transaction. As far as warranties go, you know, it's on a case-by-case basis if we're talking about rehab things, because there's really two things we're looking at. We're talking about a turnkey property that's like Midwestern rehab property or uh, a build-to-rent new construction, which is about half of what we do. Obviously, with new construction, everything's brand new, and those are in great areas. You have 10-year structural warranties. You have a one-year comprehensive warranty on everything. So that warranty is going to be more extensive than, say, a turnkey rehab deal. 
But the point is, if someone if someone has an issue, like we try to work with them to to deal with those in a, in a reasonable amount of time frame, because we want to keep those people coming back to buy more, obviously. So that was a very okay. extremely long-winded answer, but. Got it. Got it. Well, I want to talk now about the build to rent, because when I think turnkey, again, I kind of put this in a box and that's my ignorance, but I think about people that go in, companies that go in and rehab properties and, and make them uh, easy for investors to buy. I've never seen anybody do turnkeys on the build to rent side. So talk to us a little bit about build to rent. And then if I'm an investor, how do I make the decision between maybe an older property that's been rehabbed or a build to rent property? Yeah, absolutely. And and we're super excited about build to rent and, and I'll go through kind of the bullet point reasons why I think they're a great opportunity. But ultimately our kind of opinion over time is like own both, uh, you know, as you're building a diversified portfolio. And now there's some reasons why it would be, you know, someone's portfolio might be better off to have a, a higher percentage of new construction. If you're really someone that has, if you have a, a good amount of capital you want to invest and you, you know, you want just no headaches where you're not having re- maintenance and things like this. And you, you want a little bank out a little bit more on the appreciation side, cause you'll likely have better appreciation, both in rents and market value over time. Then, you know, new construction is great for you, although it's higher price points. So here's, here's kind of the, the pros and cons of, of looking at uh, new construction, one new construction, usually they're in areas, as we mentioned that are in the path of progress. We want to be in areas that there's a lot of population moving to. So naturally we're going to be doing it in the Southeast. Florida is our top market for, for build to rent And Florida. Like last year had the highest percentage growth out of any state in the country. And it's just, it's just blowing up and it still is because no income tax, you know, nice weather, generally uh, favorable politics for investors, business owners. And, you know, it's a, depending on the part of the state, low cost of living. So anyways, there's a lot of people moving to Florida and that's where we do a lot of build to rent. General price points could be in that three to $400,000 range. And it so it requires more of a down payment. It requ- requires you to be a little bit patient because often what we'll do is we'll market these things where, um, you know, we may be 120 days out to completion and then you put down a deposit and then the house is built, just go through normal due diligence and then close on it. But you may not have as like a super attractive cash flow year one. And, and that's okay because it's in an area that like, for my opinion, as long as it is positive cash flow, still you're in an area that's going to have market rents increase over time because of demand. For example, in Southwest Florida, we saw a 22% increase in rents since last year, which is crazy. That's not sustainable, but even, I mean, it's, it's a good year if you get like what above 5% rental increase. So that's just part of being where there's a lack of lack of supply and, and or yeah, like a supply and high demand. So that's kind of what the build to rent looks like. As far as the turnkey rentals, you know, those are going to be lower price points, like in the 150, $200,000 range. So it's less money down. The numbers are probably going to look better initially on a cash on cash return, but you could have more variability with those more maintenance. Right. And I think it's just, um, you know, what, what works in your portfolio, uh, and, and what's attractive to you to meet, to meet your goals. That's part of going through this journey and working with you with our team is, you know, coming up with a strategic plan, maybe build to rent is, you know, a better option for you. If you really want to be more passive or you like just being completely hands-off, you like being in a better class area. And right now is a unique opportunity because of where the market's at, where, you know, we're, we actually are selling stuff 30, 40, $50,000 below market value because we've, we ramped up building, you know, a year and a half ago when demand was still high and demand's low, uh, lowered a little bit. So it's actually an opportunity to come into immediate equity where, Maybe you can do cash out refi a little bit quicker than you could otherwise. It's kind of a unique opportunity. So we're really excited about the build build to rent space. But the process is the same on the back end, right? After it's built, get a get a tenant in there, get a property manager, 
and then focus on the next thing. What's your average price point for your build-to-rent models? I mean, obviously it varies by market and et cetera, but... And those are mainly single family. We do have some duplexes mixed in there uh, between that three to $400,000 range. Gotcha. We have, gotcha. we have so a few that's just sub 300, but yeah. Gotcha. Very affordable and below the average across the country. I think the average across the country is like 430. So still below that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's part of being in that, uh, that area where you have, and I mean, generally low property taxes, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, you know, you, from a cash flow perspective, it's, it's very rare to, by the way, to find new construction that you can actually be positive cash flow on if you're not putting down like 40 or 50%. Agreed. And so, you know, it's, it's a unique opportunity for sure. Agreed. Um, you've talked about a couple of markets here, uh, in path of progress and on your website, you've got top 20 markets, uh, in 2023. What are some of those markets that you all are focused on specifically right now? Yeah, some market highlights, I think some of the best locations. Um, I mean, it depends again, what your goals are because the markets are going to vary, but like Midwest is it where we do most of our investing in Midwest and Southeast, um, on, on the uh, residential stuff. And so Midwest, I really like Ohio, um, you know, and probably Kansas City, Missouri. We we're doing a lot right now in what we would consider to be secondary markets. These are areas that are just outside of like a really a large primary metropolitan area because the cost of living and, um, and affordability is an opportunity is, you know, it's just much cheaper out there uh, and you can cash flow a lot better, find better opportunities. So an example, this would be like a Barberton or Akron, uh, outside of, um, outside of Cleveland, uh, where you can still pick up a, a house that's in a B class area for 120 K. Now this is not going to be your crazy appreciation market, but this is going to be your bread and butter cash flow market that has high rental demand, you know, and it is a lower price point. So you no, know, not many parts of the country can you come in and buy a renovated house for 120,000, um, and still cash flow on it. Well, right. So, and be in a decent area. So we like those areas. Kansas city, Missouri is another strong area. Same thing, suburb areas like independence, blue Springs, um, a rate count. I mean, those are all areas that we've, we've done quite well in more family oriented areas, but they're still communicable to city. So that's kind of Midwest. I think top two markets, Indianapolis is, is good as well in the right location. Although price points are creeping up there, uh, Southeast, we do a lot. Florida is our best market right now. We mainly do build to rent. Um, but same thing with the secondary markets there. For example, we work in Polk County, which is just outside of Orlando. And this is just, I mean, filling in dramatically. You can, the house we built there. That's to be specific in, in Poinciana and Polk County. This is a house we built for 322. It's a 42. It, it rents out between 23 to $2,400 a month. And, and this is a nice, modern, nice looking house. You can see it on the website. Uh, those are appraising it between 350 to 360. So you're coming in with immediate equity and you can still have positive cash flow based on those, those numbers. And I think that's just a great build to rent product. We also do Alabama and, uh, and Texas, Texas you basically have no cash flow, uh, because of property taxes and, and build costs, but it's an appreciation play. Yeah. Um, so that, that, those are our main markets right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. You've been investing for 15 years now. And one of the things I'm trying to get from a lot of conversations I'm having right now is where do you think we are in the market cycle? Can you give us your synopsis on where we are, um, in the real estate market right now? Yeah. I just got to look into my crystal ball here and, um, <laughs> rub it. Yeah. 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 Have a, have a bowl of ice cream with me to, you know, help, yeah. help me out here. But, uh, I think that, uh, well, there's a lot to consider. When we talk about market cycle, every market cycle is different. And so we can't really look back at Yes. There's, there's market cycles and there always will be, 
but every single one will be different. There's just different financial, political circumstances. Uh, you know, like right now is still the market is still very strong, right? Everyone expected, and it's interesting. I just want to talk about the psychology too. Looking back, Matt, because people have been talking about a market correction and crash for like eight to ten years now, right? And it's really just annoying and exhausting. And now this finally like because all the people that sat on the timeline were like, oh, I sitting waiting, like, and then they missed like one of the largest real estate booms we've had over the past like fifty years. And where everyone appreciated house as well and had an increase in cash flow if you you know just invested in something. And so it's there's really like timing. Don't try to time the market. Look at fundamentals, try to see how properties are performing right now. And just there's always opportunity. You just maybe have to need to change your market that you're investing in or your strategy. But I think kind of what we're going to see over this year and over the next few years is likely a scenario where and, and, and this is a reflection from the past two years where it was absolutely crazy, right? Seller's market, historically low interest rates that we'll probably never see again. And it's just it's just crazy. Uh, you know, a ton of money being pumped into the economy. And so people are just buying like crazy. And it was hugely competitive. Now, actually, it's a little bit more of a level playing field. It's still technically, in most markets, a seller's market. People don't realize that. But a lot of markets still a seller's market based on how many, how many days are on market, you know, where people are not seeing this reduction in house prices that we anticipated. Now, I think the market will continue to soften to some degree. Um, but the fact is, all these people got these mortgages on their rental properties or their houses, or they refinanced over the past few years at a low interest rate. So people are also not selling unless they have to. And so it's like, there's not a lot that's coming on the market either. It's all supply and demand. So because of that, and also there's still tax benefits that are super favorable right now, people still have capital to invest. So they're still making moves. Like it's still, I think, generally a strong market. We still have an undersupply in a lot of areas that we focus on. So I think it's just going to kind of be this kind of status that we're seeing right now for probably another couple of, couple of years. I anticipate interest rates will probably come down slightly because we've hit some stabilization with a little fluctuation. And, I, and the Fed has come out and said, you know, hopefully over the next year, we'll start to see interest rates slowly creep down. But it's not like they're going to hit back down to three, you know, three percent uh, for an investment property. That's just crazy. Right. So I, I think that we'll just continue to kind of float by. And I don't know after that. I really don't know after that. We'll have to see who gets in office and, and where things go. But you do. I do know that there's a lot of people that are investing still currently. We are as well. And there's still opportunity to be had. You just got to, you know, don't sit on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a net buyer right now, just to be clear. Um, but I'm interested, how, how do you, how does your investment thesis or strategies change in this type of market? I guess that's a better question. Uh, maybe a lot of this is driven by debt. So I'll, I'll talk on the business side and then I'll talk personally on the business side. We are always looking at where there, it really hasn't changed at all. I'll say this, um, you know, we can still pick up deals. We can pr maybe pick up rehab deals a little bit better than, uh, than we were able to uh, a year ago um, at this point in time. However, you know, it's not like those have changed, opened up dramatically either. So we're focusing a lot on the build to rent space. There's still land availability, construction costs. Yes, they've gone up. So that's just been factored in, but so is market value and rents. So the numbers that we anticipated a year ago on the builder and stuff are actually better now, even though it's more expensive to build the house. Um, but we're just trying to really just follow the same fundamentals in the markets where it makes sense for people still cash flow well. Um, and you know, it's our, 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 uh, disposition on the rentals has slowed down, uh, some, to some degree with investor activity, you know, maybe we're at 70% of where we were last point this year. So maybe we'll hold some more properties than we anticipated. 
which is fine because we're, you know, in cash flowing areas anyways. So we might have to go through some debt restructuring and hold properties on the personal side, which we do, we buy a lot. Uh, we buy two main asset classes. We've gone through, I, so I don't own a lot of residential anymore. I did at one point in time, I spent, you know, many years of my life growing residential. And I think it's a great asset class to have. And, but we've appreciated those houses and we've got through 1031 exchanges. And now we buy triple net retail, uh, commercial spaces. We have 11, uh, facilities at this point or 11 buildings with multiple tenants. And we have what we're buying now, and we do cost segregation studies on those to reduce our taxable income because we're real estate professionals. And this year it's still at 80%. And that is really driving our investing activity over the past probably five, five years. So this, this year we're still doing that. But one thing that's been more difficult for us, like a lot of people is just where the, where the, the debt is not necessarily interest rates, but just the overall lending pulse because the commercial space varies dramatically and basically yeah liquidity and we got to have more money down you know we got to meet their dscr requirements uh and there's just there's not a lot of commercial stuff on the market so it's just it's become actually that that asset class has become more challenging but residential still chugging along where where are your retail locations they're all on the front range in colorado here where we're at so anywhere between fort collins to colorado springs Gotcha. And a triple net lease means the um, the tenant is paying the insurance, the maintenance, and the property taxes, correct? Yep, correct. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. How did you guys find that? Did that come through your normal business activities or just local investment? Now, no, Jim? I mean, we we buy, uh, man, we're just buying stuff that's publicly listed. I got a great broker that we work with for five plus years now that, you know, he's sourcing. He basically works almost exclusively for us. I mean, he's He's sourcing deals nonstop for us. These are not off-market deals. These are not distressed deals. These deals are turnkey deals. They are, but, right? I mean, we talk about turnkey, but if we buy turnkey, this is about as turnkey as it gets, especially when you get in these triple net long-term leases um, that some are corporate guaranteed, corporately guaranteed. But these are these are properties that are their five cap. They're not super sexy cash flow. I'm putting 25 to 35% down on them. Um, but it makes sense for us because these are long-term holds. We're rolling capital of 1031 exchanges into them. We're putting money down to buy them and we're taking accelerated depreciation where if we buy a million dollar asset, we can take the $300,000, uh, you know, right off year one uh, against all income sources. And so it's really a tax play, but also a long-term play for us. Um, and so I think it's important to know, like, you know, that's where, and those, that's turnkey. And those are, it's fully leased, fully occupied properties with long-term leases in place. And those are, that makes sense for us too, right? And it's just so it's, it's. I think when you're looking at your investing portfolio and goals, and we do a lot of different things in real estate, like turnkey can make sense for you in some, you know, depending on what what your goals are. Even if you're an active investor, um, you know, we have some people that are high high level active investors. For example, Pace Morby, who is the, like the go, go, go-to guy on creative finance. He just bought a property last year in Florida with us that was turnkey. And he did it like some of these active guys, they do that so they can buy more properties to do that exact same tax strategy that I just talked about, because they can't just, you know, they just, they make enough money. They just need to buy more real estate to offset that. Right. And so Stern Key could serve that, that avenue. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about uh, triple nets. I mean, I just viewed triple nets as like a bond wrapping some tax benefits around it um, because you're not having to pay any of the maintenance, any of the insurance, any of the taxes, you're not going to cash flow super well, but normally you have institutional quality type retailers, Starbucks, Walgreens, AutoZone, the people that aren't going out of business anytime soon, occupying those properties. Absolutely. And that has its own risks and challenges too. Like I had a lot of people that said, well, you know, what the hell are you doing investing in retail during COVID? 
Um, you know, cause some people got very fearful of, and retail is a challenge. Like it is, I think geographically dependent. We had to offer some concessions for, uh, for the tenants, you know, uh, to allow them to, cause we do have some mom and pa owners as well, but it has its own risk, uh, associated with it. But yeah, I think having a diversified portfolio across different markets and in different asset classes is, is a good way to go. And certainly if you were interested in like the larger commercial type of stuff, cut your teeth and build your, your foundation with single family or small multifamily, and then grow that over time. Right. That's the most predictable recession proof asset class because everyone needs a good house to live in, especially if you're kind of in that B class area, always have rentability and demand. And then it, you know, it allows you to kind of build up your, uh, experience, especially in the lending eyes, build up your, uh, ability to qualify for higher stuff over, over time. Yeah, I was just talking to an investor earlier and he said, you know, what would you do if you were me now? Credit investor, 26 years old. And I said, well, you need to get a stable foundation of cash flow first. Don't go be making asymmetrical bets into developments and Bitcoin and whatever is out there that says you can triple your money in two days. Don't do any of that until you have a stable foundation of cash flow. And I believe that's in residential, whether it's single family, small multifamily or multifamily apartment complexes. 100%. Like 100%. Yeah. Um, you're also a guy that's grown your brand and in, in business tremendously. Um, I almost joked at the beginning that if you've never heard of rent to retirement, then you've been sleeping for the past five years. Um, it seems like every podcast I turned on, you or you yourself or your company was involved in some way at some point. Um, and you guys have scaled to a tremendous business now. I'm sure it wasn't all roses and easy. So one thing I like to ask is what were some of the challenges along the way? Yeah. Um, and, and we have, we've had tremendous tremendous growth, almost like over hundred percent growth year after year over the past, you know, decade plus, um, which does come with its own, its own challenges internally with business and, and, uh, real estate, of course, as, as well. Uh, you know, and it's like last year we did over a thousand doors, which is a lot, you know, and it takes, it takes a community, um, to, you know, just run that, run that appropriately, but no, it, it hasn't been all roses. Like, you know, we're, we, it's interesting because so we retire, we, my wife and I, we bought, you know, enough rental properties to basically retire from our, uh, you know, well, the first there's different levels of, of financial dependence. I think where the first one is like, and, and it's hard sometimes to conceptualize the next one until you're at that first one, but like is covering your expenses, right? So maybe if you could need three or $4,000 a month to cover your expenses, um, then great. You don't technically need to worry, but you can't maintain the same lifestyle, but that is good to have that additional income. And then the next level would be all right, well, let me replace my, my income at my job. And then the next level is like, okay, well, let me actually increase my means, um, to be able to, you know, increase my lifestyle, uh, or maybe live, you know, not that you need to live this luxurious lifestyle, but just like have access to more, right. Um, and improve quality of life. And then the fourth one would be uh, generational wealth. Uh, but as we, we got to the point where it's like, okay, we were, my wife and I were both earning six figure income. Um, through our optometry careers and we already, and then we got, we replaced that with real estate and then we kind of like took some time, you know, and it's like, well, what do we do next? Um, and we really enjoyed real estate. And so that, I mean, the foundation of rental retirement was like just helping people do what we were, were doing. And, and then Matt, it's like, oh man, we got, and then I got tied back into a job and, you know, then it's like, oh, well now <laughs> running a business and this wasn't the goal. And it's just been a challenge back and forth and a constant battle. And there's always, there's always things to deal with. And, and sometimes, you know, you have issues with contractors or even investors. Sometimes investors like come in and like, we talk about, and I'm happy to sell turnkey to anybody, but I also want to like set expectations. If you're going to own 
physical real estate, you have all the same risks that you do with, with any other physical asset, right? Like otherwise some people are just better off in their money syndication and fund whatever. But if you want to own physical real estate, which I do think produces overall better returns long-term and has a lot of benefits available. But like, if you're going to lose sleep with a tenant, not paying their, their rent, then, you know, maybe that own property ownership isn't, isn't right for you, you know, or maybe you need to rethink that. Anyways, back to your question, the, the, some of the biggest challenges we've had in just like running a business is just hiring the right people. Uh, there's, there's always challenges. I've always had pride that we've been able to be successful be in, in real estate and business in general, because I'm, I'm generally a creative problem solver because there's always a solution. So many people get stuck in the, like just putting their head in the sand or just focusing on the negative. Like if you're in this game or business in general, like there's always going to be issues, but you need to know how to solve those. And there's always like, usually multiple solutions. And some people are quick to just throw their hands up in the air. So we we've had, I mean, I, I have countless, I have countless actual big issues. You know, we can go there if you want. We've some of the biggest issues we've had is, or problems is having the right wrong or wrong partnerships, jumping into the wrong partnerships too quickly. We've lost seven figures, uh, you know, and, and lots of business and time with the wrong partnerships. And that's, uh, that's been challenging. Uh, but also out of those dealing with that, I mean, I had one partner that we were dealing with where we were actually funding, uh, one of a rehab project for him. This is large syndication. And we were, uh, just a GP on the funding side and he ended up going bankrupt on it. And it's like, you know, and it's five years into the project and it was really unfortunate and he's the bankruptcy still going for five years. But then throughout that process too, we're just like, oh, we actually, you know, networked with people that we formed relationships with and partners with where we made more of that money back already, uh, you know, and then plus some, so you just never know, but I don't know. I can go on and on about just random tangents here, but I guess the point is, is that obstacles come up and, and just deal with them and we've had our fair share of them. Yeah. And that's the value of you as an individual in this world is to be able to solve problems, specifically in the business segment, right? Um, people that get paid the most money solve the biggest problems out there. And if you're afraid of problems, then t chances are you're not going to get paid at a high level. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And that's, uh, and it's also learning. One of my main mentors, uh, when I was early in real estate investing was, um, he just, he said it like this. He said, uh, real in real estate, you either learn or you make money or you make, you make money or you learn. And that was his way of saying you lost money, you know, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't admit that. So, I mean, those are all lessons, right? It, it's interesting because I spent half a million dollars in eight years of my life going to school to work as an optometrist when in a career path that I don't even work in anymore. We still do volunteer work. And it's not because I didn't like that career path. Uh, I like helping people see, but, but people don't want to pay 10, you know, $10,000 for an education course. Now, granted there's a lot of gurus, but, or they don't want to, you know, they're like, it costs money, right? Sometimes that's, that's the school of hard knocks. If you're going to lose 10 grand on, on a property, go and earn it back. Like that's just a lesson, right? And if you yeah. apply that lesson over time, you're going to, you're going to make more money on that mistake. You just yeah, got to put, right. put in the work. I remember buying my first property and I spent like $42,000 on a down payment. And a lot of people were nervous because they had gone through 2008, 2010 time period. And I just justified it like, that's the cost of an MBA. I'm going to learn how to manage a property, lease a property, run a property, get debt on that property, um, eventually dispo the property. And if all goes to hell and I lose all of that money, well, that was cheaper than an MBA. And I guarantee I would have learned more through that process. And it took me a while to get that mental frame, right? It's not like I uh, just sent that money without thinking through that, but that's ultimately where I got and it was the best decision I ever made. 
hands-on. Yeah. Hands-on experience. And yeah, it is, it is hard to see through that, but just have some faith in that. You know what I mean? If real estate's a fun game, it's a lifelong journey. Uh, and if you stick with it, if you get started and, and you go through some of the obstacles and you stick with it, it will pay dividends. And, you know, the best thing is, is teaching your kids, I think on, on how to, uh, you know, do the same thing and be successful entrepreneurs or, or real estate investors or both. Yep. Yep. Well, Zach, fantastic conversation. I want to shift this now to our last round. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? I've, I've shifted a lot of my uh, reading and, and we were talking before the show, Matt, I got, I got a, a two-year-old and uh, a girl on the way here. And so I don't have a lot of time to read, <laughs> but uh, I've shifted a lot of my listening to more business oriented stuff instead of uh, real estate specific stuff. So um, I'm really, I like a lot of Alex Formosi's stuff, $100 million offer. I mean, but I, at the end of the day, and this is, I mean, this is nothing new, but the Kiyosaki stuff is just, you go back to that and that's just a great foundational type of book. If you haven't read it, obviously read Rich Dead Poor Dead or listen to it. And then the Cashflow Quadrant follow-up. Um, I like Gary for real estate specific, I like Gary Keller's, uh, the millionaire real estate investor. That's just bread and butter, like how to mindset, how to think like a millionaire real estate investor and, and go out and do it. And then Michael Gerber's, um, uh, what is, is I'm, I'm blanking on it. The e-myth, the entrepreneurial myth or the e-myth revisited on how to work on your business, not in your business. I think those are some good ones. Yeah. There's a reason why Kiyosaki's books get mentioned so much. People say I, it's overhyped. I'm like it, but there's a reason why it's overhyped. I used to, and when I first read those, because a lot of it is mindset, right? And I, I remember as an early investor, like, ah, oh, dude, give me less of this conceptual stuff. Give me the concrete stuff. And now it's more like the conceptual stuff is, is really important. And so I go back and I, that's something that's one book I'll read and it's an easy read, thankfully for, for my case, but I'll go back and reread it once a year, uh, just, yep. you know, necessary. Yep. Our second one is, I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and the things you do every day. What are some of the things that you do every day? Um, I am a workaholic and so I, uh, <laughs> I'll spend a lot of, a lot of time. I always make a point though, I guess, um, you know, as far as like habits that have helped me been successful over time, I am an, I'm a morning person. I realize that some people say you have to follow the, like the miracle morning and get up and follow this routine. I don't, I just get up early and my routine is, is coffee and, and start working. But that's, that's my peaceful time, especially with the young kids that surely helps. Um, but that may not be the same for everyone. So you just have to find your time where you're like shut out and focused because that's when you're truly going to be productive. I think so many of us think we're productive because we're, we're, you know, in front of a computer or answering email, but we're not like actually being productive on something. Um, and you know, everyone needs to find that time and you can be, you'd be surprised how much you can get accomplished with two serious productive hours a day when people will spend eight or nine hours a day at work and don't get, you know, barely anything done. It's, but that's just finding those times where I can disconnect, no texts, no emails, just a project and clear thinking has been paramount for me. I agree. I agree. Our third one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I know you, we, we went over this beforehand and I, uh, this is, this is one that I had a hard time thinking about. Um, I don't know if there's any epiphany on, on advice that I can really give to someone beyond just that. I mean, I mentioned what one of my mentors told me previously, but I guess that kind of alludes to the overall picture of you gotta, 
you got to stick through it, right? I mean, the, what is, and I'll, I'll say this, Matt, because it kind of goes in into this scenario as well, is that, um, you know, in real estate investing or business or whatever, a lot of us get into this analysis paralysis and it's, it's normal. We're all guilty of it from time to time. We all get the shiny object syndrome and we're, you know, distracted. You got to, you got to set yourself a goal. You got to write it down. You got to tell people about it. You got to have a clear timeline. Uh, and then you got to do it. You got to take action on it. And, um, you know, and then you got to stick with it, even if you fail at that, that goal. And like, for instance, if you're exam, if your goal is to earn $5,000 a month of passive income through real estate or whatever, do not stop. And we know that that's possible and for the average person to do that. And so you just need to keep doing that. You need to get started to begin with. And if something's not working, you just have to have the tenacity to continue to get through that. I'm the type of person that tends to jump the gun into the kind of the ready, fire, aim mindset which has gotten me into trouble in a lot of cases, but it's also served me extremely well because I simply took action and that's what has allowed me to learn. And I've had plenty of people that have told me that over time, but just simply kind of applying that rule to my life um, has allowed us to, I mean, just become far exceed things in business that we never thought we would have been able to. Yeah, I like to say the phrase, get going and then get good. So many people, analysis paralysis, it's got to be perfect before I even start because I need a step-by-step plan. Once you start something, your plan's going out the window anyway, so you might as well get going and then figure out how you get good. Yeah, our fourth one, I like that. Our fourth one is, what are you most proud of in your life? Um, these, are some, yeah, these are some deep ones, man. I need some, uh, I, I do need some ice cream right now to to go through and, allow me to contemplate on this stuff. But I think that, uh, what I'm most proud of in, in life is it used to be, it's, it's evolved. Um, a lot of it was like, man, I, I remember when I bought the, my first property or when I was a, a young captain in the air force and I was probably, I don't know how old I was then 25, 26. Uh, but, and then I had a few rental properties and then I was looking at all my colleagues and they were blowing money on cars and you know, uh, and girls and partying and stuff, which I, I did to some degree, but, uh, you know, I still was like, you know, instead of going out for the weekend or whatever, I was out of the rental property, you know, when I used to self-manage and, and fixing things. And I was super proud of that. And then it's like, you know, and then we got to the point where we were able to quit our job and I was proud of the money side of stuff. Um, and proud obviously of building a family and being a father as I'm a, as I'm fairly newer father, just, you know, there's, oldest son is, is two and we got another one on the way. But what really makes me proud right now, and I think what it keeps me going in this business is the fact that, um, I really like and really feel re- rewarded when we have people that are kind of in that newer stage to invest or they're hitting an obstacle and we're able to help them either get started or take it to that next level. Uh, and sometimes these are even in, full-time investors, right? They get to this crux point and they get stuck or they, they want to do something different. Um, and then we're able to help them and it's like, see the impact on their life. And, the, and especially like when someone, uh, and this, this happens more often now, but sometimes we'll have people that will have, have them or help them start their portfolio and turnkey, whether it's their first few properties or first few out of state, they'll come back around in five or six years and, you know, thank us then when we may not have got a thank you initially. Um, because that gave them the confidence and kind of the framework and maybe sure they learned some lessons and tools from us that they applied to their own investing and they never bought turnkey again, but they were able to build a very successful business. And I think that was kind of the foundation. That's cool to see. Like we had one guy on our podcast the other day that was, 
I mean, this guy is up to 200 doors and running a full on business. And he bought his first three properties with us. And, you know, Minnesota, like eight years ago is like, oh man, that's crazy. But th those success stories, I think is really what keeps me in the business. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, once you climb the ladder of success, it's your duty to send it back down and you're doing it through your business. hundred percent. And that's, it's less about money at that point, right? It's, it's the rewarding aspect of it. And that's, you know, some people don't, don't realize that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's truly the, the motivation that keeps you going. Yep. Yep. Our fifth and last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone that are alive, who would it be and why? So, so many choices. Uh, I thought the initial question was limited to still alive, but if we're, if, if we're expanding it to, to anyone in past history, oh my gosh, man, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people and presidents that I would want to sit down with, but, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think still, I would love to have a conversation. I'd love to get in a good old battle about economics with, with Kiyosaki. Uh, he's, we've had him scheduled as a guest on our show and then he, he was unable to attend, but we, and we've had some high level people as well, but you know, I, I love his, uh, sometimes cynical view on things. So we'll, we'll go with him for now. Okay. All right. Well, Zach, fantastic conversation. I love what you guys are doing over there. I mean, I remember hearing about your company in like 2015 or 16 time period, and it's so cool to see the growth that you all have had. If our listeners wanted to reach out and learn more about rental retirement or reach out to you, where's the best place we can point them? I think the website is the best place to start. That's got a link to our, all our social media. That's renttoretirement.com, renttoretirement.com. We put out a lot of content, uh, you know, just really on everything real estate, not not just turnkey investing. Of course, we'd be happy to speak with you about different markets and your investing goals if you think turnkey is the right, the right fit. You can call 800-311-6781 if you want to, if you're listening to this on the road and you want to schedule with someone. But yeah, ultimately, we'd love to share resources with you. Our goal is to add as much value as we can to every single person, whether you invested with us or not. And, you know, that's what uh, keeps us in the business, so. Awesome. We'll link all those in the show notes. And then Zach, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.